It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're having a great day. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with my fellow financial advisors, Josh Gregory and special guest Bill Mock, still here with Kevin Out. That's right. Hey, if you're like most people, investments might be what you think of first when you start talking about your financial life. We've been trying to convince you for quite some time now, though, that investments are really just one cog in the wheel. It's just one key area of your financial life. So today we're going to be talking about investment planning, which is the fourth key financial planning discipline that you need to be considering in your overall financial planning. So that's the theme of today's show. But folks, as always, it is your show. If you want us to talk about something else, you have a question, you have an issue, you have a gripe, I want to hear from you. Reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, you can air all your gripes on Facebook as well and Twitter, at Wise Money Everybody Radio. Everybody does. That's yeah. right. That's right. Reach out to us that way. Join the conversation. All right. I mentioned and introduced him. CFP Bill Mock is back with us this hour as Kevin is still out. We're glad to have him. He's a CFP with me and Kevin and Josh at Corhorn Financial Group. He also serves on our investment committee. So he's a great, uh, I guess, asset today with us in the studio. So Bill, for folks who didn't catch the beginning of last week's episode, just uh, do a quick introduction. Well, thanks for having me back for a second week, guys. Um, I tried not to, but it wasn't really my call. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there, there was some dollars slipped to Josh's pocket. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I've been a financial planner for 15 years in the community. I've been with Corwin Financial Group since 2013. This is my fourth tax season, fourth year serving on our investment planning committee. Yeah. And every year it's funner, funner, and more fun. <laughs> We're glad to have you here, Bill. And I was just kidding. Uh, we're happy to have you in the studio. Bill, Bill's been a longtime friend for sure. Our our days go back to Bethel College, actually. Yeah. That was back when Bill had hair. <laughs> Although I can't really remember what you look like with hair. No. No. Might right. have to dig out an old yearbook and, or something. And post it on Wise Money Radio. I actually was uh, rearranging some stuff at the behest of my lovely bride at home the other day, and I found one of the pictures that was taken in June of 2002 of one of the licensing examinations that I had to take. And I had a full head of hair. And what she said to me when I showed her was not that, wow, you had hair. It was, why did you style it like that? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Love, 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 love. Okay. Uh, all right, we're kicking off today's program with a question from Brian. Brian is 55. Here's what he asked. What's the right approach to take with my investments inside of my 401k? How do I know which funds are best and then I've got the right mix for me? Yeah, I feel like that's a really good question on a whole lot of levels. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to turn your question, Brian, into something that it, it's really not meant to be. But before we actually answer your question, I think it's important to recognize that 
Um, really, when you make the decision to participate in a retirement plan at work, there's really a whole series of decisions that you have to make, and it touches on so many areas of your financial life. You know, you ask the question, how do I pick the right investments from among the lineup that your employers laid out for you? But beyond that, you know, first question is, well, how much are you going to contribute? That's a question of, you know, what can the monthly budget afford? How much do you need to contribute for your retirement to be affordable, get on pace to save the right amount? Um, you might have the, the decision to make, uh, should you use a traditional, normal 401k or a Roth 401k? That's a tax question all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even I'll, I'll point out, you have to make sure that you've got the right beneficiaries set up on that. That becomes an estate planning question. So this one issue, just getting signed up for a retirement plan at work, it might seem like just a quick uh, investment decision that you need to make, but there's actually all these areas. That one issue touches on at least four or five out of the six key areas of your financial planning. And I think, Brian, you know, I don't know if this is your first 401k or if it's just a new 401k, but I think of all of the research that went into the decision to actually enroll in the 401k. Joshua just mentioned all of the areas of our financial life it touches on, but you know we've seen a big trend in the past five years in the industry to automatically enroll folks. And with that, a lot of that automatic enrollment, they select the investments for you. Good mm. point. You know, we've heard the heard the phrase target date or retirement date funds, and those are the the funds that we see that have a, a year like 2045 or 2055, which seems like it'll never be here for us young pups in the room here but we'll be getting here eventually. And, and that's an easy way that they've taken some of the, some of the friction out of making that decision. Mm. But are those the right funds to be in? So can I, do you guys mind, can I actually answer this question? Because you guys are just beating I, around the bush. I think sure. answering actual listener questions is overrated. <laughs> so you, no, so Brian and anyone else, we're, we are going to unpack this throughout the hour today, but you need to select a recipe of investment, a diversified mix. This is where that phrase comes from. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. It's going to be tempting for you to compare one fund against another. Don't do that. You want to select good funds in each category. And so I grew up playing hockey. Okay. Some of you know I played a little college hockey. If I were to try and pick an all star hockey team and I just was going to select those folks, those players, based on how many goals they scored, I wouldn't have a goalie and my team <laughs> would be awful, right? Same concept applies. If you're just comparing funds based on what they did recently, you're not going to get the full gamut, the full diversification that you need. A good hockey team needs a center, wings, defenseman, and a goalie. And if you don't have those key components, you're going to have an awful team. Same deal goes with investment. So don't just compare the funds against each other. Pick good funds in each category so that you're well diversified. A couple other rules of thumb or, or uh, guidelines to consider as well. You need to not only consider your emotional risk tolerance, which maybe uh, your employer provides a risk tolerance questionnaire that you can be taking to kind of help you assess what your investment temperament is. Um, but you need to be driving that risk tolerance up by educating yourself over time. Sure. But then also pay attention to your time horizon. It's really important to make sure that you're selecting investments that match the time horizon. Sometimes young uh, inexperienced investors are nervous because uh, you know they're they're not well informed. They they are inexperienced. They don't know how to invest properly, so they just take no risk. Mm -hmm. And that actually is is one of the big mistakes that you could be making with your investments because you're taking actually big risk 
when it comes to trying to reach your retirement goals. So we, we drilled down to answer Brian's question, and we're going to unpack that more. But let's go back up 30,000 feet and define what we mean when we say investment planning and actually even compare investment management or investment planning to comprehensive financial planning as a whole. How do they differ? Let's provide some context for folks listening. Well, I think investment planning is as simple as just building a portfolio that's appropriate for the goals you're trying to achieve. So you have to begin with setting the target. And if the target is that you're trying to build a retirement nest egg, as it it seems uh, is on Brian's radar screen, then that's one investment portfolio. But if you're building a wedding fund or a college fund, that might be totally different investments. It should be totally different investments, if for no other reason, because the time horizon is different. So, you know, because uh, the the goal is different, you're selecting a, a different lineup altogether. Um, so, so I would describe investment planning as really just trying to find the right tool for the job. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking how much this area of the six areas of financial planning has changed over the last five, 10, 15 years, you know, many market highs, many market lows, and just a ton of volatility over the past 10 years. Yep. You know, we look at someone like Brian who asked the question previously at 55 years old, he may still have 10 years left in the market and things are going to be exciting for him. Mm-hmm. We wish it was all straight up and to the right, but mm-hmm. yeah. In other words, he he hasn't lived through his final uh, market decline, right? That's right. He's going to have more of that volatility to come, and uh, it, it makes it important for you to understand how your investments are structured. Compare that, though. You know, deciding the nuts and bolts of of which investments to pick to the comprehensive financial planning that we talk about on this show all the time, that's a much higher level of planning. And it does involve making investment decisions, but it looks at uh, when you make an investment decision, what are the ripples that go throughout the rest of your financial life? What are the effects, the consequences that show up in other areas? What are the tax consequences? Um, How does uh, an investment decision affect your cash flow or get you ready for a big goal like retirement or sending your kids to to college? All of this stuff is interrelated, so your decision-making needs to be interrelated as well. We always say that uh, the, the carpenters say measure twice, cut once, right? Financial planning is more like, you know, measure six times and cut once <laughs> and then sand it down to perfection. But when it comes to investment planning, a lot of people are thinking, what's the right approach to take? So we're actually going to break down our approach and various approaches out there, tell you the good, the bad, the ugly, that and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for spending part of your morning with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. It's April Fool's. Josh just tried to head for the exit and just leave me on Storming out of here in protest. <laughs> April Fools. My name is Mike Bernard, along with Josh Gregory and newcomer Bill Mock joining us on the program today. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. And we've been talking about the granddaddy of them all, if you will, the most popular area that people think of uh, when they think about financial planning, and that is investment planning. Uh, if you have a question, reach out to us, 574-222-2000 or wisemoneyradio.com. 
Okay, so we've talked about what investment planning really is. We've even answered Brian's question about what approach you should take within your 401k. We're going to get back to that investment philosophy here in just a second. But let's dive a little bit deeper into this idea of investment planning and talk about some of the practical issues that you would expect to address in the area of investment planning. When I think of this, guys, I think of risk. Yeah. And and being comfortable, but but having the right amount and the appropriate amount of risk in one's portfolio. And, you know, we are, we are emotional creatures and we listen to the radio. Thank you for listening this morning. We watch the news or read the internet and, and everything that's out there is designed to make us do something. Yes. And with investments, you know, we have the, the ability as advisors for 15 plus years to know when to jump and when not to jump. And we can counsel clients through that. That's an honor and a privilege. But I think too many of our listeners possibly have a nearsighted view of the risk tolerance that they have and what their portfolio is doing. Yeah. And so investment planning answers that age old question of, oh, I just saw something on the news. Should I move completely into cash or, hey, things have really been working well. Should I go completely in the market? Investment planning really talks through that ri- your risk temperament as well as your goals to help you strike the right balance and not just make knee-jerk reactions to whatever Donald Trump tweeted about or however the Democratic Party is responding to it. That's right, because we, we do, when, when things feel out of control, we want to take back control. We want to feel like we're taking action and we're going to somehow navigate out of trouble. And it, what I just heard from you, Bill, is that sometimes doing nothing is the most appropriate thing, but emotion is causing us to swing all over the place when doing nothing feels like the absolute worst mistake you could make, right? So how are you going to fight the emotions of investing is one of the big considerations that I think most investors need to be, um, you know, paying attention to. Also, you know, um, how often are you going to make changes to your investments? How often are you going to reevaluate what you have and is your current investment game plan still appropriate for where you're at in your financial life and, and how close you're getting to your, to your goals? And I'll throw one more out there. Uh, one other consideration when you're looking at your investments is, are you going to delegate the investment decisions to a professional? Are you going to rely on a, maybe a different professional to just give you advice? Or are you going to do it yourself by you know, performing your own research and and uh, develop your own game plan. Yeah. The answer to that question is going to drive you down very different paths. So let's get to the heart of the issue here. I think a lot of people are curious about this, and, and it's a bit controversial because there's a lot of beliefs and opinions on the full spectrum of, of this topic right here. But let's talk to the issue of what should your approach be in managing your investments? There are several out there. We're not going to talk about all of them, but we're going to start to unpack a little bit, just high level, of our approach at Corhorn Financial Group. Before we do that, I want to mention what I would call probably the most dangerous investment approach out there, and I see a lot of people doing it who don't have an advisor in their life. And I would call that approach following the crowd. So here's what happens. You get your 401k statement or maybe your IRA statement. You get it once a month or maybe you'd pull it up online and you look just down the list of all your diversified eggs, not in the same basket kind of approach. And you look and say, well, what's done well and what's done poor. And your emotions, as Bill already talked about earlier, your emotions sway you to say, I'm dumping the thing that's been stinky and I'm loading up on the thing that's done well, because that's a good investment. And this other one's a bad investment. No, the truth is things are cyclical. 
And it's for that very reason that this common phrase, this common idea has been thrown out there of don't have all your eggs in one basket. So if you believe that, don't follow the approach of following the crowd. At KFG, there's such a tendency for consumers to do that. At KFG, we built an entire philosophy. Our entire strategy is designed to really help people avoid making that mistake. Well, you said follow the crowd, and you might not recognize that you're following the crowd because what you're really doing is you're following your gut. Mm, Yeah. And millions of other investors just like you are following their gut, and often uh, these emotional frenzies can drive people into the market at the wrong time or out of the market at the wrong time, and it's because emotion is really the the driving factor. I had a student in one of my uh, retirement classes here recently uh, he was kind of confessing to me at one of our breaks. He said that it feels like every time I buy into an investment, it goes down in value. And then when I finally get out, it goes back up in value. Yeah, that's funny. And I, I tried to convince the guy that he needs to call me every time that he's <laughs> about ready to start selling because I've got some money that I want to invest and I need to time it just right. But, oh, that's funny. Um, so many people feel that way, right? And, and it's because they are trying to hold the investment at just the right time. I want to get in just before it takes off. And I want to get out just before it kind of runs out of steam and begins to fall back down to earth again. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's a fool's game. And that's why they're one of the predominant investment philosophies that uh, is in our industry. It's been around since the 50s. Is uh, something that we often um, refer to as a buy and hold strategy. And this is one that most investment advisors out there, they kind of preach it. The idea that you should just get the right mix of investments and hold on to it through the ups and the downs. And their job then becomes to kind of hold your hand through those ups and the downs and try to calm you down, um, not let emotion have you jumping out. But the trick with that is, so, so we, that's, that's kind of the core, that's the, that's the foundation of our philosophy at Corhorn Financial Group. But it's not just set it and forget it completely. This buy and hold is kind of like, well, you do it once and then you're done. No, there's an ongoing process, actually daily, of looking to make sure that those funds are performing well against their peers. Going back to the hockey analogy I gave, that that center that you've put on your team is still a good center, that he hasn't made some changes and needs to be replaced by a different center. So there's a lot of ongoing maintenance, but the buy and hold portion is the mix. You're not reacting a lot to the to, to your mix. That's exactly right. You know, I, I think of the, uh, what is it, the Papa John's motto, the better ingredients, better pizza kind of thing. You, when In the investment world, you have to have the right ingredients. Yes. Right? You can absolutely get the right recipe. You, you know how much you should have in the stock market, how much you should have internationally uh, diversified and everything, how much real estate. But if you just buy the wrong real estate fund, you buy a bad manager, get the wrong ingredients, it can spoil the whole mix as well. That's right. You know, and I think it, it's it's hard sometimes because we want to see instant gratification. We want to see results. And, you know, I, I, I personally am smiling because I think of at the end of 2016 and in, in the first few weeks of, of 17, when you're reminding clients of their investment strategy and you look at what happened throughout the year of 2016, especially with our buy and hold portfolios, where back in June, if we reference back to our notes, they were saying, why are we holding small company stocks? These are yes, terrible. right. And then we can show them the chart that from November 3rd towards the end of the year, we looked like geniuses. Yeah. And that wasn't us. It was just the process that we use. 
In addition to that base layer of diversification, we also have diversifying strategies that we use. So we believe in this idea of diversification so much that you can't accurately predict time and time again what's going to be the best performer. We believe in that idea of diversification to an even higher level. And we typically uh, recommend that people have diverse strategies. So a portion of your money or a sleeve, if you want to get fancy, um, should be in somewhat of an adapting strategy, one that will lean if one area really looks to be under favor and that looks like it's a, um, a, a long trend, that it will adapt. We've got two strategies that have a little bit more adapting, not trying to guess where things are going and time the market, but that will move differently than your normal diversified strategy. Well, that's because if you have a buy and hold strategy, there are some stretches of time in even our recent history where nothing is working, right? So the old idea that I'm going to have some investments that are doing well while others are doing poorly. Well, what if they're all doing poorly and the safest and best thing that you can do is move to safety mode. And moving to safety mode is one of the most dangerous things that you can do if it's emotion that's driving you out because will you have the right signals to get you back in? That's right. And a disciplined approach, a professional approach can add some... Um, some, some layers of protection if you build this into your portfolio. A lot more here to unpack on investment planning coming up here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. Thanks for spending part of your morning with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike, next to Bill Mock, next to Josh Gregory here in the MNC studio. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her inspired team at REMAX 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Today, we've been talking about the fourth area of your financial life and the area that gets a lot of attention, it's investment planning. And we've already explained why that is not overall comprehensive financial planning. It's one cog in the wheel, one area that you need to focus on, but it impacts all the others. We're going to take even a deeper dive before we hit more of your questions in just a minute. Speaking of questions, if you have one, reach out to us, 574-222-2000, wisemoneyradio.com, or at wisemoney on Facebook and Twitter. So we were just breaking down, I would say the most common and most dangerous investment approach that people take, and then sharing a little bit of our philosophy as well, um, that is founded in diversification, but then a few other layers of diversification, really designed to help avoid you feeling like you've got to make these quick adjustments and knee-jerk reactions when things, when nothing's working right, as Josh said. Um, so. All right, let's go a little bit deeper. We've said investment management just gets a disproportionate amount of attention in your financial life. And it is critically important, but there there are times when investment planning is um, can be more important than others. Can we talk about some of those? I feel like my answer to that question is always retirement. Yeah. It seems like everything's more important at retirement. The stakes get higher. Well, why are you investing, right? If it's trying to reach a goal and most people's big financial goal is to retire, then yeah, it makes sense. Well, by definition, right on the eve of retirement, you really have accumulated the most money in your entire life, theoretically. Mm -hmm. um, you have the most money at risk. So the stakes are higher. 
and uh, your life is changing the most at that point. You know, you're switching from the the investment strategy being all about growth and accumulation to now distributions and income. So the the whole approach, your your whole investment scheme, if you will, has to be adjusted when you get to retirement. And if the risk is the highest at the edge of retirement, my question for you is, will your investment savvy be at its peak when you get there? Are you going to get to retirement and already have um, professional advisors that you trust in place? Or will this be the first time that, hey, I've got to roll over a 401k, I need to do something with it, and I need to start drawing off of it. Uh, I need to go find an advisor for the first time. And that that adds a whole nother level of uncertainty and risk to the, the equation as well. Yeah. So our goal, obviously, for the audience is for them all to be in that good problem to have scenario where they have this, this, this huge pile of money, as we say in the industry, that needs professional management and needs to be tended to like a, a well-cared-for garden. But if we go on the other end of that stream when they're young, are people being too conservative so that they never set themselves up for success later in life? You know, I think of, of our clients that are considered accumulators. You know, let's make sure that they're owning a diversified portfolio of the, of the assets that are going to grow and grow well. You know, we've all seen those charts of Judy and Johnny. And, and Judy started saving when she was 24 and Johnny waited till he was 30. And, you know, Johnny has to save three times as much to have just half of what, of what Judy has. But if you look at the, the little byline at the bottom there, the, the cliff notes at the bottom, it's going to say, assumes an annual rate of growth that's usually going to be 8, 9, 10%. And we need to have those assets in the portfolio when we're young, when we're accumulating, so that we can get to retirement. When I tell that story, it's always Bill and Josh, by the way. Is it? <laughs> and I'll let you guess which one's the hero of the story. <laughs> the proactive one that started early. It wasn't Bill. Oh, that's funny. But, but listen, we, so we've talked about the emotions in your investing. So, so get this. I, I actually was going to list the same thing as as bill it, because you know retirement just seems like the jesus answer you know of course it's it's the right one the sunday school answer but uh, but when you're early in life let's just say this you don't have much investment experience so you might not really understand the ups and downs that you're about to face and you should be taking the most risk so you're going to be as more susceptible to those ups and downs if early in your uh life of investing you had an oa you might just say, I'm done with this forever. Mm-hmm. And what a risky decision. Yep. In, a, in a decision that you believe is keeping uh, is taking less risk, it actually creates more risk because your ability to work like uh, Joshi in your example and have this <laughs> great growth, uh, you, you just take that off the table because you abandon investments forever. Well, in order to grow a nest egg for retirement, it takes three uh, materials going into, into this construction. You need cash that you're depositing into an account somewhere. You need to take risk and you need a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, you have maximum amount of time and time is your number one ally in all of this. So you don't have to have huge deposits every single paycheck or every single month. Um, as long as you're taking some risk, given enough time, this is going to work out well for you. Mm-hmm. So don't let time go by um, squandered where you're either not taking risk or you're not even funding anything. Make sure you get all three ingredients started early. Speaking of allies here, we've said there's six areas to your financial life. Your present financial position, protection planning, 
tax planning, which we hit last week, investment planning we're hitting today, retirement planning next week, and then estate planning. Is there another area in those six that you talk about frequently when you're reviewing your investment plan? What I tend to think of is our present financial position. And specifically, I think of a client's cash flow and their net worth, their balance sheet and their income statement. And and what I, I look at oftentimes is they they just heard what Joshua said about we need to accumulate. They heard what I said about that and what Mike said about that. But they come into us and they're in a situation where they may have high interest debt. They may not have cash flow to make the budget work every month. And, and they look at us with a straight face and say, well, you told me on the radio I need to save for retirement. Yeah. And then we get the, the opportunity to explain to them, well, how does this investment decision affect your present financial position? Because if you're putting money away for a future goal, that's great. But if the future goal is only expected to generate a 10 to 12% return over time, which is probably high anyway, and you've got a credit card from Visa coming in at 18.99 every month, yeah. hmm. I think the, the smart decision for us to look at is maybe we should guarantee ourselves a 19% return by paying <laughs> off the credit card. That's right. That's right. Another area that I often believe that um, you need to have married together with your investment decisions is your tax uh, planning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just simply deciding uh, where should you start accumulating money for each goal is often a tax question. You know, if you're saving for retirement, we have retirement vehicles that are built as tax shelters to let you grow without being taxed along the way. Just lets everything grow more efficiently, grow faster, because Uncle Sam isn't dipping his greedy little fingers in and taking a, a share uh, periodically. Um, so to, to me, making sure that you're taking advantage of these types of tax shelters, getting the money positioned where um, it's most efficient, I think is really incredibly important. What about how this area of investment planning has changed in the most recent couple of years? Some of the trends that we've seen. I think the first one I'd mention is, you know, just I've been in, I've been a financial advisor for 15 years and we've had the two worst recessions and the worst stock markets since the Great Depression. And I think if you were just getting started investing during that time, that's a recent trend that probably has you pretty scared and skittish about investing, especially as we've gone to reach new highs and so on earlier this year. And you're thinking, well, when's the next crash coming? I think that's a trend that a lot of people, um, have kind of latched on and it's influencing the approach they take. And yet the flip side of that is we're also in an environment where interest rates are really, really low. And so people who are in retirement who traditionally would have bought some safe investments to kick off income to them, they're needing to drift more and more into that stock market that seems so uncertain and scary at times. And so it feels like this is kind of a recipe for people feeling less and less confident in their investments because maybe they're taking more risks than they even realize. We feel the need that we have to do something. You know, it's a 24-7 news cycle, which has changed over the last decade, and and it it just encourages us to do something, whether that's a good choice or not. Yeah. Well, we're encouraging you to do folks here, uh, something folks here. Every single week, we're trying to help you make great decisions, wise decisions in your financial life. And that is always critically important in the area of investment planning. We've got a few more questions that we're going to be taking from you guys. Nate is coming up about how should you invest or structure dollars when you're saving up for a short-term goal. We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, 95.3 MNC. 
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Bill Mock, alongside Josh Gregory in the MNC studio. I hope you're having a great morning. If you've missed anything, check us out at wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to all the previous episodes right there. And if you don't like the internet thing, just go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. I know a lot of people do that and listen in. Thank you very much. If you have questions, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com. Give us a call, 574-222-2000, or reach out to us at Wise Money Radio on Facebook. We've been talking about investment planning, the right approach to take, what we mean by that, and how that's different from overall comprehensive financial planning. We're now diving into more questions from you guys, fans of the show. This next one is from Nate. He's from South Bend. It's a great question. We get this one all the time. Here's what he asked. My wife and I are saving up to buy a new car. That's a good, noble goal. Get after it, Nate. Yeah. And the money is just not earning any interest in the bank. What would be a good way to invest this money to get it grow quicker? To get it to grow quicker? Well, Nate, I'd say that's a great question. First off, but but I'd say that the best way to invest that money is going to be in a savings account. And so the bank that uh, isn't paying much. To in the other bank words. that doesn't say anything. Now, before our listeners think that the new guy isn't that original, let me tell you why I said that. So obviously, uh, Nate and his wife they have a goal. It sounds like a short-term goal to buy a car. You know, sometimes that can be a longer-term goal, but usually we'll think in the next two or three years, if not sooner, and. With those types of goals where we have a timeline in place, we want to be able to fund the goal when the timeline arrives. And having those dollars in something that's going to be available, that the market's not going to move against us, that the dollars are still going to be worth what we planned on them being worth, is important. And, and I'll share this, this tidbit of wisdom that I heard one of my first years in the business. Someone, someone took me aside and said, always share with yourself, your family, and your clients that the reason we save money in the bank is not to make interest, it's to avoid paying interest. And, and, when I th- and I think of Nate's situation, you know, even if he could get a car loan at 1.5%, mm-hmm. that's still more than what he'd Currently what making. the banks are paying, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think the principle there, though, is that you want to match up your investment tool with the goal and the time horizon. That's right. Right? And unfortunately, the stock market or your mutual funds, that sort of thing, investments that have a lot of up and down to them, a lot of unpredictability in the short term, those are not safe tools to be using for a short-term goal because it could be hit or miss. Just because last year was a positive year in the market doesn't mean that 2017 will be. And just because you've, got, you've seen an investment that's done really, really well recently doesn't mean it's going to continue to do well even in the short-term upcoming and so I think one of the most memorable experiences I have is with, now, now this is a little bit different than saving up for a, uh, for a car, but I had some folks come and, and seek some help and they had two kids and one was entering college within a year and they had some money set aside for college, not in a college account, just set aside in a separate account. And they had it all invested in one individual stock. It was about 80 grand they had set aside there. And I said, geez, you know, you're going to be using this money within a year. Is that really the right investment? And they said, we've been using it for five years. This, this stock always does great. It's made us a ton of money. And it dropped more than 
in that year. Famous last words, huh? Between when they said, yep, we, we're, we're sticking with this, and when they actually needed to start using the money, I would call that a crash. And so regardless of whether you think you've got this really hot stock or this great investment, over and above that, you first need to look at your time horizon. And whether it's for a car on the near term or an emergency that could come up tomorrow, the time horizon of when you're going to need that money should trump whatever great investment idea you might hear or have. Yeah, the assumption that this stock that's always done great is going to keep on growing, that's one emotion that could cause you to hold on to something too long or inappropriately. I've even seen some folks who inherit a stock from a family member, and so it has this strange sentimental value. Right. You know, mom or dad, they've always been an owner in this bank, and uh, we're going to keep on holding it forever. Well, uh, forever might mean a ride right down to the end at times. Yep. Well, that's the job of an advisor, though, right? And a coach is to, to help help walk you through those emotional decisions. And and there's a lot of emotions with money, especially if, if like Joshua said, there's an, an inherited account, something that's been in the family for years and years. You know, someone on our team or someone else that you're working with that's qualified can help you peel away some of that emotion and actually look at, is this a good choice? That's right. That's right. Um, okay, next question comes from Donna. Here's what she asked. I really don't trust the stock market and don't want to invest my money there. Are there other good investments I could use to help me obtain some sort of return on my money? That's a great, I, I, so Donna, I think a lot of people have felt this. I, I mentioned it earlier that if you've been on the roller coaster ride the past 15 years of these really, you know, nice new highs and then extreme lows, the worst stock market since the Great Depression, then you might have this distrust in the stock market. And I would remind you, though, that there is a natural law out there that couples risk and potential reward. And we do hear a lot of people that have a very similar question as you, Donna, or, or, or request that basically say, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take that risk, but I want that return. And it's just truly, it's just truly not, not out there. I, I have drawn the spectrum of low risk, low return, high risk, high return, and what your options are along that path. I've drawn that on the whiteboard at my office more times in the last five years than I did in the first 10 years of my career. Because there is this natural relationship between risk and reward. Now, there is some risk that isn't rewarded. And you can take speculative risk where oftentimes uh, the likelihood is it won't be rewarded. But to assume that you will take really no or low risk and get these great levels of return um, I, I think is that that's a false belief or hope. Aren't things that we don't understand inherently, don't, don't they feel more risky? Of course. And that's it, why I hate flying. How many times have we gotten on a plane <laughs> together and I'm like, this thing weighs so much. It doesn't make sense. There's right? no way we're going to get off the ground. And then when we get off the ground, I think there's no way we're staying up here. <laughs> we're going back down. Uh, that that is why Mike is my favorite person to fly with. It's, by the way, oh my goodness, you he laugh at me little, every time. A little worked up, but you know we we fear the things that we don't understand. And I, I remember when uh, my wife and I we were um, renovating our basement. We were kind of building it all out, and we decided that we were going to learn how to run electrical lines and to wire a basement. So she literally grabbed a, a book from the library and learned how to wire a basement. There's and still libraries? There are, and they have books there. Crazy. So she reads this book, learns how to do it, and kind of teaches me as well. 
And I used to be someone that I would never wire anything. I wouldn't change a light fixture. I was almost afraid to flip the light switch. You know, I was afraid I was going to get electrocuted or something. It's because I did not understand how the electricity in a house worked. And now I do, and I don't fear it like I used to. I know what things I can do to keep myself safe. I know what, um, how someone actually gets shocked and how they don't. And the same needs to be true for Donna in, in the investment world. You need to understand how the stock market works and then maybe it won't be quite so fearful. And then you can actually take advantage of the reward that comes with taking a measured amount of risk. Just because you're in the stock market doesn't mean you're taking tons and tons of risk if you do it appropriately. I would, though, go up one level, though. I mean, we're not trying to talk you, Donna, or anyone else into, you've got to use stock investments. No, I, but if your financial plan, your retirement plan, your goals require a certain level of return, then you might need to consider using investments that have a history of going through the ups and downs to reach that return. If you have already reached your goals and you don't want to take that level of risk, then there are certainly are great tools out there and any certified financial planner can help you with those tools, uh, but they're just going to come with a lower rate of return. You know, and Donna and anyone else in the audience that's, that's hearing this question and feeling a, a similar reaction is, you know, there, there is a lot to learn about investments, but it is so worth the time. Unfortunately, in our careers, all three of us have come across people that were sold a bill of goods. It, it sounds like it was really good and, you know, there was no risk involved and there was great return. And in the end, we found out that that was something that wasn't legitimate and people lost money with that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is no holy grail out there when it comes to investing. There is, there, there is no perfect strategy that will give you all the upside and none of the downside. And I, I think to start and to understand that um, will go a long way. The place I would encourage you to start educating yourself though, Donna, is how does a mutual fund work? This is a way for you to get some exposure to the stock market by handing dollars over to a professional who makes the day-to-day -day decisions for you and really helps you diversify. There are mutual funds out there that don't take a lot of risk and you need to uh, start educating yourself on those. Thank you for the question, Donna. I want to thank Bill Mock for joining us again today. And on behalf of Josh Gregory, myself, and the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.